Welcome, everyone, to another installment of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief, the legal podcast that provides easy-to-understand information about estate and business planning to help you, your family, and your business. And now, the jovial gents of jurisprudence, Mike Betts and Spencer Chaffin. Welcome back to the BC Counselor's Legal Brief. Appreciate you joining us again for another episode. I am here uh, joined by my esteemed colleague, as always, Mike Betts. Mike, thank you again for joining me. Spencer, I'm happy to be here with you. Good, good. You should always be happy to be around me. Not Uh, always. Ouch. I know, it burned. But hey, that's reality. That's life. That's life. Uh, well, Mike, uh, as as you are well aware from our previous podcast, we've talked about owning and running businesses on, on some of those podcasts, and we've also spoken about the different types of entities that people can use when it comes to their specific business venture themselves. That's right, Spencer. And if folks haven't listened to those episodes, it's jam-packed full of useful information, comedy... It's just really a good time, I think. It Basically, just go listen to it. You're missing out. I mean, a billion people are listening to the podcast already, true. and so why aren't you? So don't, don't be the one that's left out. So, um, But w- what I've noticed in, in my years of practicing as, as an attorney is that many people are in the business of re- uh, renting real estate. You know, that, that may be commercial real estate or residential, which a lot more of it's residential, I've noticed with, with a lot of our clients. Um, and, and these people range from simple mom and pop operations to those owning 10 or more pieces of real estate. Uh, you know, and, and we know someone that has, what, over, over 100 up in Oklahoma, correct? That's right. Yeah. And so, but my question to you, Mike, is what do each of these property owners have in common? Well, they're all business owners, Spencer. And so like any business owner, they have to be protected. Uh, They could most basically hold that property in the name of an LLC, get it out of their personal name, separate the the liability. Um, Other things that they could do if they have a whole bunch of different properties, they could use a special type of LLC, depending on the state you're in. It's called a series LLC. And we should maybe one day do a podcast on the Series LLC for the real estate investor. I think that's a great idea. Uh, but but I think as as in most cases, I think the best way to protect yourself is to involve the professionals. So you don't want to DIY your will or your trust or your operating agreement or any of those important documents because in my experience, and Spencer, as you know, I'm very old and grizzled very old and I've been doing this for a long time but folks when they think they can do it online DIY they they do it wrong and so that's true in the law but it's true in real estate investment and real estate investment I think is something that a lot of people don't realize they have the power to do it and so talking to someone like our guest today could, I think, be a real valuable asset, not only to jump into the business, but if you're already doing it and you're wanting to expand, understand where to expand and what you need to do. Mike, 
perfect segue into me introducing our first ever guest on the BC Councilor's Legal Brief. And I've been pushing for a guest for a long time, Spencer, and you've said no consistently. What uh, changed your mind? You, you probably called and got, got our guests scheduled behind my back. That's probably what happened. But anyway, Spencer, I interrupted <laughs> So uh, what I would like to do is introduce y'all to Mr. Kyle McCaw, the owner of McCaw Property Management. McCaw Property Management has been in business since 2003 and is a full-service real estate asset management company that provides professional property management, real estate brokerage services to their clients. Uh, so when we're talking about, Mike, like you said, bringing the professionals, we're sitting across the table from a professional. Yeah, we're right talking now. to the big guns today. That's exactly right. Kyle, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for having me. I feel pretty honored being the first guest. That, that's kind of cool. But uh, no, I want to, first of all, thank you for having me on here. But also, I want to thank you for the legal services that you provided to me. Because there, there's, people overlook the things that they don't know or understand or think they can do it online. And I know, I mean, you just briefly mentioned Series LLC. I mean, that, that thing's a huge leverage in, that can, in, in real estate that people just completely overlook or don't even know because they didn't talk to an expert. Um, but then also general contracting contracts. I and mean, there's a lot of contracts you've helped me with and I really appreciate that, things I wouldn't have thought. And I'll talk to you about the, uh, I think there was something about a spousal consent form that you sent me once for <laughs> one of my docs and I had my wife sign or want to have her sign it. And I'm like, I don't know what it is, just sign it. Spencer wrote it, it's good. And uh, she's like, but this means that I give everything to you if we get divorced. I'm like, wait, wait, maybe that's not the right document. But uh, No, it, it was. But she, got, was. she was really worried that I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, no, Spencer wrote it, not me. And I think it was meant for somebody else, but it was in a stack. And I, For all of you spouses right now that are listening turn off the podcast <laughs> for those other spouses that are involved with the business that are involved with the business that's what we do here <laughs> not really I will say this my takeaway is you're bullish on real estate and I guess here's kind of the the interesting thing from my perspective is our financial markets people seem so dependent more dependent mm -hmm. than ever on on uh, going into the stock market and and uh, uh, buying stocks mm -hmm. and bonds, and that's certainly you have GameStop. Important. You hear that? It, it, but, <laughs> but that is that is exactly yeah. where it's I was going. It's a novice going. environment that they're, they're the novice is jumping into an environment that they are competing with people that have PhDs in when to buy and sell a, a little stock based off of a digit. And even more uh, on that point is. I'm finding, and I'm not a financial advisor, uh, but I did stay in a Holiday Inn last night, and so <laughs> I'm not saying it's a racket, but I'm saying you're really dealing with a salesperson, not a financial advisor. I'm just saying that right now. The idea that was in our financial you market, don't have control over it. Let's say, mommy, daddy left you a hundred thousand dollar three bedroom, two bath, two car garage house, and it's it's nice, but not fancy, but it's just a good solid home for somebody. If you take care of that property, it will take care of you more than you ever know. Um, and I'm going to take an example of you take that $100,000 house, you sold it, and you're going to go buy that GameStop because you're a genius. You want to go buy a GameStop or Blockbuster Video or a mutual fund or whatever it is, and something happens and, I don't know, something happens in the market and it goes down. Now you got $50,000 or you have seventy five. dollars Maybe you have one hundred fifty. dollars Who knows? But you don't know. But, you know, tomorrow that could go to zero. 
Why? Because it's speculative risk. It goes up, it goes down. Real estate is a very unique vehicle when it comes to wealth creation because that $100,000 house that you inherited, you know what else you bought with that? You bought an insurance policy for that house too. So if that little house burned to the ground and it's, you get a check from the insurance company for what it was worth. Or you get to build a new one that's even better. So you have risk, but it's very minuscule compared to market risk. And that's that's something I'm just going to jump into. If you have a house and you've paid for it and you let your insurance lapse. I've got those stories too for people. You've got to go buy that policy. Please, Kyle, tell your story. I didn't mean to interrupt no, 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 you. That's but good. when you but say no, that's that, a, that's another insurance lead-in. is an important so, thing. So we manage, at the time, about 700 houses all over North Texas. Uh, single family, up to fourplex. we got some other unique properties, but for the most part, single family homes. And we have a townhome in a community that we manage. And this townhome, our owner is great, has their insurance, everything's good. The, the townhome next door, that was a different story. That lady bought that thing cash and it burned up. I, three weeks ago, it burned up. Fire department comes out, shoot through the little water hoses and you know, water hoses, all that water affects my client's property next door. The fire, the smoke, things like that affect you know, the community. Um, and then so we reached out to the owner of that property and said, hey, you just want to make sure, you know, what's your contact information at the insurance company so we get this all resolved. She's like, oh, I don't have insurance. I'm like, no, 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 you, you, I'm sorry, I misheard that. You said you don't have insurance. She's like, yeah, I, I didn't owe anything on the house. I just paid cash. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> she's like, well, I can just pay to fix it. I'm like, well, you are going to pay to fix everything else beyond your property that was affected as a result of the apparel that ha- happened to yours. And then you're, I mean, good Lord, no, nothing happened to somebody because you opened yourself up to the li- liability that is to unimaginable levels if somebody died or passed away and then her eyes kind of got big when she realized oh I made a mistake so no yeah you made an $80,000 mistake in the value of the property but you opened yourself up to such an amount of liability that you could have not had for hundreds of dollars a year hundreds of dollars could have saved her potentially millions when it comes to like it could wipe her out had something more significant happen in that property so yes you're absolutely right on that like it's just unbelievable that people think and we have this all the time where people don't want to have insurance on their rental property because why would I have in, well, I already I paid cash well there's all these other factors that are outside of your control that can affect your total wealth but then also like why would you not like if you have an opportunity to like put a hundred dollars on the table and you can pay somebody a couple of pennies to make sure that hundred dollars is still there when you come back from lunch, or just not, and then somebody just went and took the hundred dollars, and you're like, oh, it doesn't matter. I have another hundred dollars in my wallet. Like, but you could have still had that hundred dollars, and you just decided not to buy insurance. Mind-boggling to me. So, sidetrack on no, real estate, no, that's, but, that's, but that's, real estate that's, insurance is such an important piece of real estate and your financial planning in general and it's so overlooked i mean a lot of people talk you know you know estate planning is overlooked uh business contracts is overlooked insurance is overlooked managing a property to get the best return on investment is completely overlooked so so you'd probably say maybe it can be debated but it's at the top of the list is if you are going to be a landlord so to speak and own rental property 
one of the most important first things you should do is probably have insurance, correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And if you yeah, if you don't have mortgage, that that's going to be an option. But hopefully, a mortgage company will require it anyways. Yeah. Yep. because they're smart. I, I think the theme thus far for folks following along is number one. I'm going to use a term that's used a lot, but diversify. I think I think being too focused on any one particular thing can yeah. can be tough. Don't don't overlook the value in real estate. That's right. For future. Yeah, real growth. estate's an important piece of the puzzle, and then and then you don't really ultimately. You don't know everything, so you should rely on, 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 on experts because, again, that poor lady who bought her, her property, mm-hmm. uh, she wasn't talking to the right people and, and the right advisors. Too many people are in the business and think, oh, this is an easy business. I don't, have, like, I don't need this or I don't need that. Well, too many people go in, and I don't want to say arrogant, but that's what it is. It's, it's it, it more ignorance, I guess, would be. It's a, it's a false confidence in what they're doing well and, and i think you just said that mike is th- they don't know what they don't know so kyle let me ask you this so for the do-it-yourselfer landlords uh, what are some areas that you see lacking when they're running their business sure. so they they don't treat it like a business and so we you know we have every week we have owners come to us that ask for our help you know what they ask for they ask for our help when they have a problem. Yep. And the problem is they have a bad tenant. That's almost always the problem that they bring to us. It's because they thought they could do it all themselves up to this point, but now they got a bad tenant. Well, why do you have a bad tenant? There's a lot of reasons that go into that, but I'm gonna tell you right now, 80% of the problems can be solved with your rental property by just not letting in the wrong tenant. Um, and that's very, it sounds real simple on the surface, and you're like, oh, well, he, he seems like a good person. He drives a nice car. His car is clean. You know, back when I got started in, you know, the early 2000s is, you know, the older real estate agents in the office were like, well, you know, I, I got this trick. I look in the back of the car, and if the car is dirty, I don't rent to them. If it's clean, I rent to them because that's going to be how they take care of my property. That's not, I can tell you right now, that's not, that, that, that's not true. Um, and so, unfortunately, now we can do background checks better. But there's so many things you need to do with that tenant. You need to verify their income. There are websites out there, now bad people don't listen, there are websites out there where tenants go out and they just put in fake pay stubs and then they can create them. They look real as all get out, but they are fake. So you really do have to verify the employment. And there's lots of ways, there's, I say lots, there's ways of doing that. That's why you have professionals like my firm. Then you've also got to like, well, just because they have a good paycheck doesn't mean they take care of your house. I mean, I know people that make stupid money, but you go over to their house and you're like, whoa, there's a bomb just went off in here. Or what, 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 what's going on? Like they just, for whatever reason. So you need that previous landlord reference. And you know what? It, you know, when you get an application from a tenant, I can't use specific percentages because I don't know, but I'm gonna tell you it's a vast, vast majority of them use their buddy as their landlord reference and like just give their their landlord's phone number or their buddy's phone number out as their fake landlord and and that and that's where in there's ways of catching them and and it's actually pretty humorous the way we catch some of them we're going to take a short break but we'll return with more legal info to help you your family and your business right here on the bc counselors legal brief 
This episode of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief is brought to you by Alfredo Robledo Certified Public Accountant, PC. Alfredo has been licensed as a Certified Public Accountant since 1984 and is located in Grapevine, Texas. Alfredo can help with many different tax matters ranging from filing individual and business tax returns, trust and estate filings, as well as bookkeeping services for your business. You can contact Alfredo at 817-421-0720 or find him at grapevinecpa.com. and I'm almost a teenager. I have a real problem. My daddy and my grandfather love pie. For my daddy, it's apple. For my poppy, it's anything lemon. But they won't bring me any pie. I don't think that's fair. They always go to Judy Pie on Main Street in Grapevine, where Miss Judy and her bakers make 20 different kinds of pies and cinnamon rolls on the weekend. But I don't get any. They tell me I can have pie when I'm a teenager, like pie is only for grown-ups or something. Can someone please call my daddy and my poppy and tell them I need pie? In the meantime, you can go to JudyPie.com, or if you're in Grapevine, Texas, visit Judy Pie on Main Street. And if my daddy or my poppy are there, tell them that Kaya wants a piece of pie. We're back, and you're listening to the BC Counselor's Legal Brief, the podcast providing legal info to help you, your family, and your business. Leases. Have you seen any issues where where somebody didn't properly document the 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 landlord tenant relationship? No. And, Every day, and that was a problem. Oh yeah, and they're having a headache because of that. Yeah. Now you're an attorney, so if you if somebody brought you a lease that was one page and half of it was blank at the bottom where you just sign in that you're going to pay your rent on time, would you say that's a good lease? No, I mean it doesn't tell Not you us. responsibilities exactly. of each party and and, and how the whole relationship is going to go. So we're very fortunate in in my case that I'm in Texas and we have a Texas Board of Realtors has an amazing lease. It's multiple pages long. It's long. You'll most people will fall asleep reading it. You'd probably like it, but there's just a lot of information into it. But the reason there's so much information into it is because attorneys have been paid millions of dollars to create this lease that's kind of standard across the state of Texas for landlords to use. And the problem is people don't use it. So, so let's say you're a, a and, and you're, you're hitting something. Let's say you're on a, your DIY landlord and you don't know what the heck you're doing. Like I think a lot don't know. D- d- tell them a little bit about the Residential Landlord Tenant Act and, and are there things in that piece of legislation that they might think they can put in a, in a, back of the napkin uh, 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 lease agreement, but maybe they might be breaking the law? You know, so I'm not an attorney, so I'm not... No, 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 but but have you seen anything? But yes, I I mean, I tell you, almost every property that we onboard, I see problems with it. The easiest one is the um, landlord um, property uh, requirements, like landlord um, property codes. Well, you have to have peepholes in each of your exterior doors. Well, people don't realize the door to the garage is an exterior door, so they don't put one there. And then you have to have keyless locking mechanism that can be locked from the inside but not unlocked from the outside. There's a lot of reasons for that and safety and security of the tenant. So if you know they're at home and they're in bed asleep or if they're in the shower or whatever, they can lock all the doors and not have to worry about some maintenance man or a bad landlord coming in 
on them. So almost none of the properties we onboard even have that. And the other thing, smoke detectors. Almost never do they have the proper, proper smoke detector um, situation where you got to have a carbon monoxide uh, detector in your home, even if it doesn't have natural gas. Because people think, oh, well, it doesn't have natural gas. Well, I don't need one. Well, in the state of Texas, you do if you have an attached garage. Because you could have a garage with a car running with the garage door closed, but then the door into the house where the, the, the CO gets into the house and then everybody dies. Well, Mr. Landlord, you didn't have a CO detector. Why, why did you not do that? And the state of Texas requires that. Um, so those, those are some big items that people overlook and they're like, oh, I don't have to worry about it. You know, they're, they're just, I could go on, but there, there's a lot of those and, and people aren't thinking about that. And the other thing is like putting in your lease, oh, I want the tenant to be responsible for the first $50 of any maintenance. That way they're not going to, you know, they're going to think twice before they call me for stuff and then they're going to take care of the little things. I'm, I'm sad to tell you, you're thinking differently than your tenant is thinking. Your tenant's thinking, oh, I'm not going to call that in because I don't want to pay $50. And then you're going to end up with a sink that has a drip underneath it for five years because you never checked on it. And now there's multiple thousands of dollars of damage, if not mold, that's growing. Right. That's a health hazard. Because you decided you want to put a $50 thing. And I don't even think you can transfer that obligation onto a tenant. And I know I'm pretty sure you can't. But you, you did a, what you thought was saving you a couple of dollars cost you thousands. And might have broken the law. So say someone's tired of being a landlord. They're frustrated because it's just not as easy as they thought it might be. They're tired of the headache of doing it. You know, they just want to go sit on a beach somewhere and just sell it and go. What would your advice be to, to that sure. landlord? There's a lot of different ways to hit that. But, I, I get but, real passionate about but the answer. That. The answer is don't sell until you consult. Objection. I think that's right. Objection. Question is leading. The witness. <laughs> well, here, here, here's the thing: is uh, 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 that was the whole point. When the other thing is like, who mentioned withdrawn? Yeah. The other question <laughs> is, people think, oh, well, cash flow is the only way to make money. No, it's not. It's one of what I call five ways. Some people are going to say four, but there's five ways that that you want to make money in real estate. One is cash flow. That's one everybody talks about. Like, oh yeah, I make an extra four hundred dollars a month or a thousand dollars a month off this rental house. Cool. That's great. That's gravy. That's. I mean, I'm not going to say four five thousand dollars a year is nothing, but it is in today's world, but um, principal pay down. You're paying down mortgages. I mean, you got somebody else that's paying for your... I look at houses as 401ks. Every little house that I buy for, let's say, 20000 down is a 401k that I put $20,000 in and never had to do anything with it again. And somebody created a monster 401k for me 5, 10, 20 years down the road. The other, so principal pay down. The other one, appreciation over time. We all know that. Houses supposedly go up in value over time. It's hard to disprove that. Stocks can go up too, but there's no guarantees. Depreciation, man, this is crazy. When I had a W-2 job, I was getting money back from the government when my coworkers were paying in. And it was because I had so many great write-offs for my investment properties. So, I mean, huge benefit that people just completely overlook. Now, the other one is something that people see on TV and that, that flip flip this house business model where you you buy something distressed, you fix it up, you create equity, you build equity into a property. And so I would say that's the fifth way is you force, they call it force equity into a property, you know, make it a little better than what it was so you can rent it for more. So that's five ways you make money in real estate. Now, how many ways do you make money in your stock? One. And when do you make it? When you sell it. Not every day? 
No, no, no I mean, at least no. not much unless it's a little dividend. So, so let me let me ask a question about then one of the ways to make money is obviously paying down mortgages, building building equity mm-hmm. in that. So, so the property's appreciating, but you're also building a bit of mm-hmm. a nest egg in the sense that your tenants paying for it. How hard is it to pull uh, money out of that bank? You've got the house is the mm-hmm. bank. How easy is it to pull money out with the right people? It's not hard at all. And and so you know, I had a, had a good attorney. Attorney once told me like, you don't want to put it. You don't want you don't want your houses free and clear. You don't want to be a target for a lawsuit. You want to you want an equity scheme. Take that cash out of that house. And there's different ways to use it, but you don't blow it on a, a new Corvette because that's your retirement. That's your income. You need to leverage those that equity. To be worth more. I mean, you got to always think about like the end game. Like, what is this three years, five years down for me? So you can go to a bank. And they'll do in the state of Texas, eighty-five or eighty percent loan to value cash. I can go on some serious podcasts on this on the finance side of this, but it's not hard to pull the cash out of an asset that has value, and it and cre- creates an income stream. The banks love that because they're like, shoot, this is a, like, I don't, I'm not loaning. $50,000 to a guy that's going to drive a car and he's going to like stop paying. Like this is a house that's worth a hundred thousand. I'm going to loan 80,000 to somebody. So if you, you know, that's, that's, it's not hard to get the money out of it and then go do something with it. So I look at those houses, somebody's paying for my retirement every month. They make a rent payment, but to kind of touch on that. So I've got a portfolio of rentals. I don't like talking about my personal stuff too much, but I'm going to use this example because I think it's important to not impress people, but impress upon them what this can do to somebody's life. So I've got a, a, a portfolio of rental properties, and I took that to the bank last year, and I said, "Hey, bank, I've got all these. I, w- I want to get a better rate for what I've got right now. I mean, I'm, I'm paying more than what the current market is on interest, and you know, I think there's good value in these. Would y'all be interested in leaning on?" Like, yeah. So they they wrote me a check. So I refinanced my properties. My payments went down. And um, on that case, I don't even think I extended the, the maturity date on those. So it was kind of like I just pulled cash out and didn't have, it was like a net effect didn't affect me at all. But I, it was a, a, a serious six figure sum that I took from that portfolio. And I went and bought another house that we live in that I would not have been able to buy otherwise. And I didn't have to have that portfolio very long to, to, to realize that. So the equity in those properties can be leveraged in ways that other people don't think of. Yeah, no, it's 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 powerful. I, I think I think that uh, I didn't pay. I don't have to pay taxes on the money I pull out either. So in order to get someone to be able to ask you questions, Kyle, what's the best way to get in touch with them? You know, I'm, I'm assuming you've got a website, email, phone number. How can someone sure. get in touch so, with you that? maybe either in the game already that may need your services or is now that has heard this and go, I want to get in this game because I was planning on it, but now I've got someone that can help me. What's the best way to get in contact Sure. With you? So, you know, of course we're going to have a website, you know, anybody in 2021 does now. So it's uh, macawpropertymanagement.com, which is M-C-C-A-W, and then propertymanagement.com. And then our office phone number is 817 817- Four nine one two five five three, and there's a phone tree. You can pick that. And then my email address personally is Kyle K Y L E 
at mccawpm.com, which is M-C-C-A-W, P as in Paul, M as in Mary.com. Perfect. Man, Kyle, thank you so much for being this is fun. I our enjoy first it. ever guest. Yeah, um, it was good. And, and I know we did really scratch the surface. We also went into the weeds on other things, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we had you back to talk about some other aspects of this or the industry itself. And that brings us to the end of another show. For more information on today's topic or previous show topics, please visit our website at www.bccounselorsatlaw.com. While there, feel free to let us know what future show topics you'd like for us to cover. On behalf of Spencer, this is Mike, and we thank you for listening. And remember, it's always our goal to provide easy-to-understand legal info to help you, your family, and your business here on the BC Counselor's Legal Brief.